You know, they didn't do a really good job of verbally processing it, right? Did you, it helps, like, if you actually start to, like, say, tai, wan, ta, pa, ta, mas, you know, like, oh, wait, it sounds like I want a hippopotamus, you know? And so when you start to verbally process it, you know, you start to be like, oh, I, that's starting to make some sense, and I know this is a Christmas game, and there can be some moment of clarity there. And honestly, for us that were watching it, we had the cue card, right? We knew the answer, and you're just like, just say it, right? Just say the answer, you know, and that can be pretty funny, but it also can be pretty infuriating when things that should be clear um, are pretty unclear, when things that are pretty obvious and simple end up being anything but simple and obvious. I think we all have those moments in our lives. It can get under our skin and it can test our patience and our resolve pretty quick. When it's over matters of things that are kind of trivial, it doesn't really matter. We can kind of laugh at ourselves and we can have a good laugh, but the problem is is that we don't live in trivialities very often. You know, we, we have real problems, we have real stakes attached to those real problems that we face on a moment-by-moment moment and a day-by-day day basis. And then really there's nothing very comical about having a lack of clarity in your life in regards to work matters or social matters or family matters or even spiritual matters. Some of you have gotten to the end of this year, I get this, and it kind of feels like your life has just kind of been like, guess the gibberish. Like, I don't know what happened in my life this last year. It just kind of feels like chaotic. It kind of feels like a mess. And I feel like I didn't have any clarity. And I'm frustrated. I might be disheartened. I might be despondent. I might even be depressed here. Life can feel like you've been fumbling around in a darkened escape room for quite some time. And you can't even figure out the first clue that might lead you to some sort of light switch that might be able to help you make sense of your surroundings so that you could possibly, hopefully, eventually get out of it, get out of the fogginess of life. I understand that life can feel like that sometimes. Unfortunately, life and living in the planet, on the planet today, like these days, in a darkened world and in a culture that prefers darkness over light can be very frustrating. And so we're looking for a way of escape, however elusive and however far off it might be, and we're desperately seeking after it, and we just want to get away, not to avoid our struggles or problems in our lives, but because we want to experience the joy of redemption and the resolution of those problems. We want the wrongs to be righted, and we want relationships to be restored. We want that which is broken to be fixed. And so we enter into Christmas Eve, and this is what Jesus came to do in his first advent. This is the message of so many beautifully penned lyrics of Christmas songs. Thank you, worship choir, for leading us in musical worship and reminding us of these wonderful things. But think about that song, O Holy Night. Think about the lyrics, long lay the world in sin and in error pining until he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Most of us can say with 100% honesty that this lyric captures our daily experience as we exist in a world that is subjected to futility and where there's a lack of clarity. And that can be frustrating and, and, and just gets under our skin. There are sins and there are errors that we have made 
and there are errors and there are sins that have been committed against us, and we are suffering the mental anguish and the physical decline of the fallenness of this place and because of the broken hearts that are beating inside of our own chests. And so that is what it means to pine, to pine after something, is to long for a resolution to the mess that either we have made or the mess that we are in because somebody else has made a mess in our lives. And so we're all pining, and the lyric says, long lay the world in sin and error pining until he appeared, until his first advent. Jesus stepped into this messy world at his first advent 2,000 years ago. His coming introduced a beam of clarity into a world that was very, very dark. Think about this. Shepherds were abiding in their fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night, and then suddenly, clarity. Let me read it to you, and then we'll pray. Luke chapter 8, or Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, and then I'll read verses 9 through 11. And in that same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Why? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would give us a moment of clarity here this morning. God, as we make our way through an abbreviated message, as we see the whole message of the scripture is that Christmas is brought about into the world so that we wouldn't have to be afraid anymore. And that you and your arrival can bring shockingly clear clarity to the world of darkness that we are living in. And so God, I pray that we would be able to see and also savor the beauty of the Christmas story today. And that you would shed some light on us that we would be able to understand what you have come to bring. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we just looked at this passage and we say, well, what is the good news of great joy that can bring shockingly clear clarity to the world of darkness that we are living in? And the verse says, the Savior. We needed, still need, will always need a Savior to be sent into our worlds of darkness. Someone had to be sent into the escape room of this world that we were in to save us. And he is Christ the Lord. He is the light that chases away the darkness. His coming, his appearing, his first advent introduced a way of escape and provided the much-needed clarity that our messy, mad-gab type of life needed. He brought a thrill of hope that a weary world could rejoice in. So this time of year, we think and we remember about Jesus coming to this earth the first time. 
And later on, with the coming of springtime, we'll remember his death and his resurrection and his ascension back into heaven. But between his coming and his going is what really, really matters. And later on, in the coming of spring, we'll remember the resurrection, but we need to remember his whole life. Because between his coming and his going is what really matters. Because what he did while on this earth is of eternal significance to us who are gathered here today. So let me just show you one verse, and I'm going to show you a whole bunch of verses that can bring a whole world of encouragement into your very dark world. 1 John 3, 8, it says this, The reason the Son of God appeared, the reason for his advent, the reason for him coming here, was to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to the planet that he created in order to undo the destruction that was introduced into this place when the devil himself deceived Adam and Eve into thinking that God was somehow holding out on them. They were deceived and they believed the liar instead of the truth teller. That's bad. And so sin entered the world and sadly we're told that the wages of sin is death. But death isn't the only thing that entered into the world. Jesus entered into it as well. And John says the reason he came into the world was to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus' arrival to this planet demonstrates that God wasn't holding out on any one of us. In the fullness of God's timing, Jesus came into our messed up, sin-filled, curse-filled world, and between his arrival and his departure, he lived a perfect life. He died a sacrificial death so that all who believe and trust in his work on their behalf don't have to face the eternal consequences of their sin, which is ultimately eternal death and eternal separation from all that which brings light and life. So this is the hope that's held out in the gospel message, in the gloriously good news of Jesus Christ. And although we live between two advents, Jesus came and Jesus is coming again, amen? Amen. He is. And although we live in between these two advents of our Lord, and things can be very confusing, There is one repeated promise in scripture that can bring clarity to the fogginess of all of our lives right now. You see, because God didn't just come, and God isn't just coming again. God is here. I want you to hear this. You might think you've been hiding, but he's here. He is well aware of what's going on in your world. You might not have clarity, or you might think you've been able to hide everything and compartmentalize it and keep a safe distance from everybody else and you look like you got it together, but there's a fogginess in your mind and you're loving the darkness. Our God isn't, he hasn't just come. He's not just coming again, but he is here. This is the, promise of scripture that needs to be repeated and echo in our minds he's not unaware of your struggles 
He's not aloof to your sorrows. He's not unaware of your sin. He actually knows your name. He actually knows your sorrows. God took on flesh and he dwelt among us as a man of sorrows was his moniker, his nickname, the man of sorrows. So he came up close and personal with grief, our grief. And the name given to our Savior was Emmanuel, meaning God, what? With us. He hasn't just come. He's not just coming again. He is with us. So that tells me this. The man of sorrows is with us in our sorrows. And that means that we can experience his sympathetic, compassionate, tender care in every moment that we face, no matter how frustrated we might become. And so I want to close this message today by giving us all a present. If you listen closely to this promise, and it penetrates your heart and my heart, we will never be the same. That's, that's, the, that's the gift I want to give you and myself, the gift of this word. If it penetrates our hearts and we latch hold of it, our lives will never be the same. Yeah, you might be frustrated and it might feel like you're living a mad gap type of existence of one to gibberish and lack of clarity, but your life will never be the same because of this promise. Here is a true and trustworthy statement based on an incredible promise of Scripture. Here's the statement. You are not, nor will you ever be forsaken. You are not now, nor will you ever be forsaken. That's the statement. You might feel alone. Your world might be swirling around in chaos, but you aren't alone. You might feel alone, but you're never alone in your struggle. Paul told the Corinthians that he was persecuted, but he wasn't forsaken. Yeah, I got all this mess and chaos, but I'm not forsaken. I got a whole bunch of stuff coming at me, but I'm not forsaken. Not only that, I'm struck down. I'm hit by those things that are swirling around my life, but I'm not destroyed. Yes, we will all face adversity in a fallen world, and you will be hit more than just a time or two by the adversity, but you are not alone and those blows will not take you out. That's the statement. David says this, I have been young and now I am old, meaning, look, he's lived a long life and he's gone through a lot of stuff and this is what he says, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken. So the truth is this, you are not alone, nor will you ever be forsaken. That's the truth and here's why it is true. It's because of what I call the I will be with you promise that you see dripping all over the pages of this book. The truth is, is that you will never be forsaken. Why is that true? It's because of the I will be with you promise that is dripping all over the pages of this book. Let me just give you a few of them. 
as I close the message. This promise was spoken to Isaac. In Genesis 26.3, God says, Sojourn in this land. Wander about this land. Explore this land. And I will be with you and I will bless you. It was spoken to Jacob. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred and I will be with you. This promise was spoken to Moses in Exodus 3. But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, out of the adversity of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. I will be with you. This is spoken four times to Joshua. One time in Deuteronomy, three times in Joshua. Joshua 3, 7, for instance, the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all of Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Spoken to Gideon, fearful, cowering in fear, Gideon. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you and you shall strike the Midianites. You're gonna have to go to war but I'll be with you. Spoken to Solomon, 1 Kings eleven thirty eight, and I will be with you and will build you a sure house as I've built it for David and I will give Israel to you. So it's dripping all throughout the Old Testament and guess what? Jesus shows up on the planet too and he spoke this promise to his disciples but then he follows it up with a confusing head scratcher of a statement. John 7.33 says this, but then Jesus said, I will be with you a little longer and then I am going to him who sent me. And we say, wait a minute. God has been on record all throughout redemptive history saying that he would be with all these different people wherever they went and then God actually shows up hangs out with a group of men that left everything and committed their entire lives to following him, and Jesus says to them, I'll be with you just a little bit longer than I'm gonna go away. And you're like, what? What gives with that? What kind of God is that? Kind of thanks, but no thanks. We long for something better than your departure. We actually need you here. We can't exist like this. We will die in the darkness on our own. We need you here. And Jesus agrees with them and he says this, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. And if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And you're like, okay, well, there's a little bit of consolation brought to the confusion of the last statement about him saying he's going to go away. He said if he goes away, he'll send a helper. And they said, okay, a helper, that'd be really nice. But what we really want is you. You're the only one. That can bring 2020 clarity to our mad gab existence. We don't want to help her. What we want and what we need is to learn more from you. We've left all to follow you, not your helper. And Jesus agrees with them and he says this, listen, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. 
For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, and he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And you're like, okay, well, that's good. There's a little bit more consolation here, a little bit more clarity. We have much more to learn, and This helper, if he comes, he will take the teachings of Jesus and he will help define those teachings for us. And these teachings of Jesus will be even more personal and more precise with this sent helper. Sounds good. We'll take it. But where will this helper be? How do we get access to this helper if you go away? And here's the tidal way of of truth that needs to wash over you today. You don't need to go seek this helper out because he will be with you wherever you go. And you say, well, how is that possible? Well, deity will once again dwell with men. Paul told the Corinthians in question form, helping you think about it to a deeper level, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Do you not know this? Don't you need to think about that? That that within your physical body that has become a temple the Holy Spirit of the living God is dwelling within you. You and I haven't become God, but we have become his temple. So that means that we aren't our own and we're not on our own. And it's like the Christmas carol says, God with man is now residing. Yonder shines the infant light. Where? Wherever his humans go. That's where the light shines. So Paul tells the Corinthians, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light and the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We're in our own hearts. That's where the light comes from. We reflect it. It's not just some far off distant yonder light. It's here. We have become the temple of the living God. And if that doesn't give you strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow, I don't know if anything will. Nothing will. So here's the presented promise that needs to penetrate our hearts. In between these two advents of our Lord, where there is no doubt tension as we had tried to navigate our way forward until he returns, he is with us. And that means we have nothing to fear. Nothing. Well, why do you say fear? Well, listen to these I will be with you promises and how they eradicate fear. Let's go back into the dripping pages of the promises of this Bible And see what it says, Joshua 1, 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. 
Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is what? With you wherever you go. Isaiah 41.10, fear not. Why? For I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 43, 1 through 3. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you and I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. Why? For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Born to you this day in the town of David is a Savior. He is Christ the Lord. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. And behold, Jesus says this, I am with you always to the end of the age. God says, I am with you. And even at the very end of your time on earth, I will still be with you. Shepherd Psalm, Psalm 23, 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Author of Hebrews says this, so be content with what you have. Well, what do I have? Well, he said, I will never leave or forsake you. And so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. You see, Christmas is about not having to be afraid anymore. In a world of darkness, in a world of chaos, in a world of disorder, in a world where things are flying around left and right, and you're being hit from within, from without, by sins of your own, errors of your own, or sins and errors of other people, Christmas is about not having to be afraid anymore because God is with us. And our souls are feeling the anticipation of a dawning of a new day when our faith will become sight as we step out of the land of shadows and into the presence of his marvelous light until he comes again. But until then, we wait with the eager expectations for this. Listen, our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior. Just like 2,000 years ago, the world was waiting for a savior to come. Now, 2,000 years in the future, we are still waiting for his return. Our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. People, listen. A moment of clarity is coming. Where we're going to see what this whole thing is all about. A moment of clarity is coming. Maybe even someday, very soon. We live with the eager, expectant hope of God showing up to this place and to bring his shockingly clear clarity to all of our darkness. And it's coming. And it has come. And he's already here with you.
Let's pray. God, as we move into a time of musical worship of response, as we're led in musical worship by the choir and the band again, I pray that we would sing with great expectant joy for your arrival to this planet once again so that we wouldn't have to be afraid anymore, that we would recognize that you are with us and that we would just feel our soul's anticipation of the dawning of a new day when our faith will become sight as we step out of the land of shadows and into your marvelous light. Until then, God, we long to worship you here and now and that you'd bring great clarity to our lives of fogginess. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand as we continue on in musical worship and close our worship gathering.